How are the people of Ukraine coping during the Russian invasion? Joining us from Ukraine again is Nadia Dobroganska. Before I begin, I took the decision to make key episodes about the unfolding conflict in Ukraine free to listen to keep the public informed during this crisis. Nadia, thank you for joining me once again on The Dark State. Could you provide the listeners with an insight into your weekend? What was it like? Uh, Thanks for having me again. Um, So, well, it's been just a blur for me. Like, the previous four days, I've been... Since I, I left Kiev on Thursday, and I'm I've been settling in in the countryside where I currently am, and I've been what I've been doing. I've yeah, I haven't had too much sleep, and I've just been following the news and talking to the media overseas and sharing information about how to help Ukraine if you're abroad, how where to donate and. Um, sharing information about the effort uh, in Northern Ireland to raise money. So I have lots of friends and contacts in Belfast, and I discovered that there was also this kind of work done in North North Coast. So I was busy with this and listen, being very careful about uh, the noise from the outside because where I am, um, there there can be. Um, by, uh, the jets flying like Ukrainian and Russian and fighting in the air so we need to be very careful here and just keep uh, just make sure that if there is anything going on uh, in the sky we should be hiding in the cellar like um, there is a, a territorial defense unit uh, in, the, in, in the village so I've been told that, they, that the jets are the Fighter jets are literally fighting in the sky, so it, I didn't make it up when it seemed to me when, when I heard that. So it's jumping from every loud noise from bangs of the doors at the moment. Um, yeah, and yeah, petrol bombs, yeah. Well, I was cutting the cloth, just uh, wasn't mixing them. But yeah, like the the defense units here are just making making sure that should anyone uh, invade the spot they would be in trouble so tell me you go every morning or you've been going to a communal or community area and people arrive in and they I suppose form a production line where they make petrol bombs is that correct it's not quite so I'm not going anywhere because of the threat of bombing mm-hmm. there, there are um uh, uh, military warehouses, uh, maybe 15 kilometers from me, in a ta- in, t- in a few times. So it's it 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 could be the case that should should those warehouses be bombed as they had been bombed before, could just might as well become collateral damage. So I'm not going anywhere, and my family would just go go to the shop, and some of the, of the people that who I am together. With here are members of the territorial defense, so I I'm not taking part directly in any of this. Although today, um, I and another person were summoned because there was some sort of information that was uh, distributed in the in the community that they supposedly, allegedly, the hackers uh, broke into the into the Russian bank accounts and there were like there was a file with a list of bank accounts that 
could have been could be used for the common good. So you, you were suggesting that we go on uh, AliExpress or on Amazon and order things for the army. But I double checked this with some friends who work in the uh, IT security, and I said, no, we're not going to do that. Not going to take any risk. So I think that as an information warrior, I am doing my tasks better rather than. Um, being engaged in direct uh, making of patrol bombs, although I did, although I did prepare so, the cloth for that. So, where did you make these petrol bombs, or who who was manufacturing them? Just the public, like do, do you, you know, like people are helping with each other with this. So, so where does that take place? I, Is that in a military installation or a community installation no, or or people's in homes? community installations? <laughs> And right, well, I'm not sure I can actually discuss that. I'm sorry. Okay. It's just that's not very safe. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so this is still having an awful toll on you and your mental health and your family. Talk me through how that is unfolding. Has the stress of dealing with this got better, or has it got worse? It's it's both. I think that after a few days in the safe place, I feel that adrenaline is kicking in and I'm feeling how tired I actually am and how exhausting it, all, it is all. And I'm beginning to think about that, well, that I'm missing my, my flat in Kiev, which I didn't really like. Like, literally before the the bombs were thrown in Kiev on, on Thursday, I was thinking, Jesus, I don't really like this place. So I wish I could move, but I have a contract for a year. Um, so, but now I'm getting, I'm starting to think, well, there used to be a life before the, the war broke into Kiev. And I'm beginning to, to settle some of my arrangements. Like I have regular flute classes online. I have my Irish classes a few times a week. And I need to deal with that. And, like, well, at first I just had no brain space, like, no mental space for any of these thoughts. I was just trying to survive, doing my best. Uh, so, um, and it's a bit, I can, I'm watching my parents, how they're coping, and I see that one of them is really struggling with the thought that there will be food shortages. And I know that, well, we don't have any food shortages, but it's a village, and there are a few, a few shops there, and we have, consistent delivery of food here but she is uh, succumbing to her anxiety about this and the, well being very annoying about that to put it mildly but then she is coping with it by looking for some work that she can do around the house or in in, in the garden so she keeps herself occupied and she, she I mean my mother all along mm. so yeah, like I'm, I'm different because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm busy. I'm talking to the media. I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to tweet uh, about the news or and spreading the word about how the world can help. How can uh, Ukraine how where you can donate, for example, or talking to uh, the initiatives about that uh, are uh, gathering uh, humanitarian aid for Ukraine and talking to my friends who, who are abroad who are anxious about the war and. You know, telling them to you know uh, to fight the war the way they can. Like one of them is taking part in in protests in Brussels, for example. 
and uh, the other one is in Poland and, and she is helping with uh, gathering clothes for and washing them for Ukrainian refugees. So I think that everybody has to be effective in, um, in their own spot where they are, what they can do. So I'm while I'm not taking part in any kind of territorial defense work, I'm here in my in the room, and, uh, and it's a mess. And there is a wee cat that we evacuated from my brother's home, but I'm I'm trying to help as well. And just for the purpose of, or the benefit of the listeners, uh, can you explain, you actually have a lot of connections to Ireland and you actually speak Irish as well. Um, I can safely say much better than someone like me. So would you mind just explaining briefly your connection with Ireland and the fact that you've studied here? Yeah, so I did Master's in Irish Studies at Queen's University Belfast in 2019 to 2020. And I was studying Irish history and politics. And I wrote my master's uh, thesis about the troubles of 1920s in, in Northern Ireland. And uh, I focused on, well, you won't be surprised, I focused on propaganda and media uh, and political representation of the troubles, of the violence, which is the Catholic Holidays program and the... Um, uh, Protestants were calling it as a sort of uh, self-defense against the Irish Republican Army. So I was looking into the complexity around this. So, um, and later on, after I graduated, I've been volunteering with the Constitution Unit think tank at the University College of London, and they were doing research on the opinions on Irish unification referendums uh, in Northern Ireland in particular. There was a big qualitative survey that I was analysing and we published a working paper like that uh, last year. And also I worked for, I worked briefly as a research assistant with the Northern Ireland's Office uh, Historical Centenary Advisory Panel. So I was uh, contributing to the commemoration of the foundation of Northern Ireland and was uh, creating content for like daily content about the developments during 1921, if I remember correctly. So that explains your strange, curious Ukrainian stroke Belfast accent. It does. (laughs) And your continued use of the word we and things like, words like that. Precisely. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on to far more serious matters then. Could I ask you, is it very difficult for Ukrainian people to get access to reliable news now and accurate information on what's unfolding in Ukraine? It's well, it's mixed. On one hand, we have the sources of, of like official governmental sources of information, and I am heavily relying on them. Uh, but there is indeed a lot of on one hand, rumors and uh, all sorts of information that goes unchecked, like, for example, you know, incorrectly tagged, labeled pictures on Twitter, all oh, this is key of today, but then you see in further comments, I, well, I fell victim to that. And, but no, in fact, it was a picture I, my friend took yesterday, but it is very illustrative and it's like, no, it's wrong, then it's, it's 
it's it's a wrong picture. It's not. It wasn't taken today. And there's the other thing of Russian misinformation campaign that we have to deal with as well. So like fake news or and misrepresentation of facts that is taking place. So like my strategy is to just to, to trust the official sources, even though I know that there are also problems with them. Like I still don't know what how. We, there is no in public information about Ukrainian uh, military fatalities from the warfare, unfortunately. And I see that the, the government is withholding it. And I, this is something that I'd like to know. And I see that they're not releasing it, so I suppose for very sensible reasons. But but on overall, this information, at least it, this is information can be trusted and they can be uh, put to accountability for for uh, spreading misinformation in in this in this case. So it's quite difficult to establish what is happening, and therefore it's very difficult for someone like you to make a decision on what to do. Is that is that correct? Hmm. Well, no, not really. Well, there is information from. Um, on one hand, there is official information which I trust. There is information. I have friends in different cities who have been scattered from home and someone stuck in Kiev. So if I wanted to know how what the situation is, for example, in, with the shelters in the areas where they are, I can ask them. I So I can verify this information. Like a friend of mine was asking yesterday if she could evacuate from Kiev by train. Mm. Um, and there was, it's been crowded before uh, or some people weren't sure that it was working. But uh, so I could go to my friends who literally evacuated evacuated this uh, by railway from Kiev the day before, and I will hear their views. So it's not that I'm lost in the um, in the flow of uh, unverified information. But then there are situations when uh, some dubious sources come in and. People start get you know get affected by them, and it's quite hard to tell if this is right. Like for example, with the pictures from the recent shelling of Kharkiv, where dozens of dead were reported. Like I see that there are uh, the reports uh, that these are the pictures in Kharkiv right now. Um, some people had seen these pictures a few hours ago, so there could be some sort of misunderstanding that could be quite hard to verify. Is it difficult to find food or other necessities at the moment or is life continuing in the shops as normal? Are bank machines working still? Mm. So I'm stuck in the countryside, so I, I, I can't comment on the bank machines. Uh, but they were working in Kiev, uh, I guess, according to my friends recently. And as to the shops, well, where I am, there is some shortage of bread, so there is. And but overall, all other necessity, uh, all other food is available, and I think people are stockpiling bread. That's the reason. Because my mother went there and got like five loaves, and we were giving out to her like Jesus, mom, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave, it, leave some bread for other people. Like they they needed to, but she, you know, she was trying to make sure that she and we have the bread. Uh, so there, there is regular supply of food and better or petrol rations. Um, indeed, that there is a scarcity of petrol for the army, so we lay people are not prioritized. 
But overall, it's okay. I can't say that there is, well, at least where I am, there is huge, massive disruption. There was a curfew in Kiev over the weekend, and people, I, I've seen like friends reporting that there were shortages of certain products in Kiev now that the shops have opened this morning. But overall, I haven't heard any alarm, uh, alarming information that somebody is desperate for some kind of food which is not available. Have you been surprised at the international reaction to this? You, there's been a lot of developments in the recent days, particularly in the last 48 hours. Are Ukrainian people aware that there is an absolute outrage across the Western world over what's happening, that there are all these sanctions now being applied? The European Union is actually providing Ukraine with fighter jets and military weapons and equipment. Is there a sense that amongst ordinary Ukrainian people that they're, they're not alone in all of this and that there are huge efforts going on in the background to provide assistance and help, although it should be stated that no one has yet provided troops to fight off the Russian invasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is broad coverage of international reactions to to the conflict on, on national television. So... I'm I'm getting most of my news online from Twitter and from Facebook and all aggregating the uh, news outlets that I'm following on these uh, social media. So um, and many people are doing the same. So there is no shortage of, of inter- information about the sanctions. So there and absolutely people. Well, people I'm in in touch with with are delighted and over the moon with the sanctions at last. That the Euro, especially with the European Union's sanctions, that there will be supply of arms to Ukraine, and there will be severe sanctions uh, um, targeting Russia. Like last week, I was campaigning like uh, sanction Russia into the Stone Age, and I felt desperate that the, re- the response from the European Union and from the US and the UK was so slow, and the, that uh, personally, some personalities were targeted, uh, which definitely definitely seemed like very uh, really not enough and my yeah, people I wasn't I'm in touch with were also outraged by that that the response was so slow but now that it's actually kicked in it's yeah everybody's delighted and people are making lots of jokes at these dark times just to cope and there 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 are some jokes circulating that now that Ukraine has established this uh, international alliance of, in support of it like we might uh, invite other other nations to join us, so we don't need to join the NATO as many Ukrainians would like to. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a lot of coverage, and people are interested. And in national television uh, is running mar- information marathons, uh, com- combined with information from overseas and comments from journalists all over the country, and official Ukrainian information. Uh, from the government statements by the president, so it's it's like all the nation has come together to to get through these dark days. And they are indeed dark days. Nadia, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. We will be speaking to Nadia later this week, where she will keep us updated on life on the ground for the people of Ukraine. Nadia, do stay safe. Thank you. Will do. Talk soon. And that concludes today's edition of The Dark State. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you could tell a friend or post a review. 
I hope you will join us again next week.